Happy Sunday, everybody. How you doing? Well, we had an amazing time in Oaxaca, Mexico this week, and I'll tell you the reason we went, I was at a conference called Finishing the Task, Finishing the Task up at Saddleback, and it was about reaching the last unreached people groups who haven't had the opportunity to hear about Jesus, might not have a Bible in their language or a church in their people group, and the scripture talks about Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations or all people groups. In Greek, it's panta, ethnos, and then the end will come. So what we know is Jesus isn't returning until all these people groups have a chance to hear. And so in the middle of the conference, they took us into a room about this size, and across the whole floor was this map. They said, walk onto it, look down, the green dots symbolize the people groups. And you can see these concentrations or clusters. Find a place that's on your heart and start praying for it. And so this is where I walked over. This is Mexico, and the southern part of Mexico in Oaxaca has the greatest concentration and on our side of the prime meridian. And so I just started praying for that group, and then it just stuck in my heart. So I was praying every morning, Lord, would you raise up a, a, a church plant from all peoples, and would you send us there? Well, I get contacted to have a meeting with Frankie O'Rourke, and and in the middle of us having breakfast, he goes, well, you probably want to know why, why I wanted to meet. I had this dream. And in this dream, there was this, this, um, these people, and I looked them up online, and I realized they're from Oaxaca, Mexico. Now, I hadn't told anyone, so I was like, no way. I pull up my phone. I'm like, look at this picture. I've been praying for this every day. You know, all of a sudden, our, ha our hair standing up on our arms. We're like, God moment. And then we find out there's, there's a, a former missionary to Oaxaca that's in our church that I, I, I hadn't met yet. He's actually sitting on the back row. Is that you, Charlie? That's you. Uh, I don't. So anyway, um, so Charlie went down with us. And we are going, praying, Lord, are you sending us from San Diego? Uh, are you going to send a, a church planning team to Oaxaca, Mexico? And so we, we were just having this incredible time. And Charlie was a wonderful guide for us. And, and so we go out to a village. And remember, we're praying, like, Lord, would you show us if you're sending us? So we pull up into this village. There's one guy standing on the street where we are, and he's wearing this. So I walk up to this guy. I'm like, where did you get this shirt? He's like, oh, I don't know. So, so I, I go, so what's your name? He goes, Jesus. I'm like, no. <laughs> Jesus is wearing a San Diego State t-shirt. <laughs> God, are you speaking to us? <laughs> so we, we walk through. There's this, this big, um, this big mercado, this big, uh, fest, um, I don't know. Market. There we go. I was having a hard time speaking English, and um, so such a missionary. <laughs> See, um, and there's there's hundreds and hundreds of people from these different people groups, and they they're they're wearing their dresses, their indigenous clothing, the men with you know the sombreros and stuff, and we're walking around, and we see this guy. Uh, wearing this hat. He's actually from an unreached people group. Good taste in basketball down there. Wearing a, wearing a warrior's hat. So we engage this guy in conversation. And as we're talking to him, say, you know, do you know Jesus? Or, you know, are you, have you given your life to Jesus? I haven't, he says. But he goes, my parents actually have. 
And there's some of the few people in this people group that are actually Christians. And, but he goes, I'm a, I'm a really bad guy. And, and so I draw out for him on my phone the bridge diagram, showing him, like, it's not your good works that will get you into heaven. Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. He paid the price while we we're still sinners. Christ died for us. You can receive his free gift of salvation. Do you want that? And he goes, yeah. And so we're just starting to pray. And she walks up and she goes, I'm a Christian. I've been telling him about this. <laughs> and he goes, for, he goes um, this is our, thir- our three-year anniversary. And this morning I woke up and I said, I need to change my life. Today is the day I changed my life. And this is the answer. We're like, come on. So we lead him to the Lord. We get his information. We take this picture. We drive to uh, another village about half an hour away, and we're meeting with a pastor. So they have this one church and this, this people group of about 6,000 people. There's about 100 believers, which is just awesome. And we show the pastor, hey, this guy gave his life to Jesus. He goes, his family's in my church. But he's been so hard that we, just, we gave up on him. But today he gave his life to Jesus. We're like, wow, you are, God, you are amazing. You're connecting this. And then we went to another family and this woman and her kids gave their lives to Jesus. And we're driving out and this guy walks back up with the hat and he's a big smile on his face. And so we're like, God, are you saying something to us? Uh, So we are planning on planting all people's Oaxaca. So uh, you can be praying for that. You can go on a short-term trip. You can hear more about what we're doing, both short-term and long-term, in the lunch today following the service. We are excited about what God's doing in the nations. We're continuing our series entitled The Secrets of Enjoying God. The Secrets of Enjoying God. And talking about one of my favorite topics, which is the secret of enjoying the Sabbath. The secret of enjoying the Sabbath. I think you're going to enjoy this message. We're going to start in Genesis 2, verse 1. It says, Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, he rested from the work of creating that he had done. And we're going to move to the next book, into the book of Exodus, where we actually see the Ten Commandments. Listen to this in chapter 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and earth and the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I love thinking about Father God, after creating the universe, placing the stars in the sky, separating day and night, the animals, the, the, the flora, and he gets to the seventh day. I just see him kicking up his feet, leaning back in his throne, putting his hand behind his head, big grin, spreading across his big godly face, letting out a sigh and just going, ah. This is good. Time to rest. Now, let me ask you a question. Does God need to rest? No, he, he is the very source of life and energy. He is omnipotent. He is all strength. So why does God rest? I want to propose to you today, because rest is good. Why did God take a day off? Because day off is good. I love thinking about it from man's perspective. It's 
quite funny to me. Man's created on the sixth day. Listen to this. Chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So man gets created on the sixth day, and then we go to the seventh day, and, and think about it from man's perspective, right? He's there, first day on the earth, ready to go. He's looking out at the beautiful fruit trees. He sees an avocado tree. He's like, I got to pick some of those. Maybe I'll work up a salad. You know, he sees a bunny hop by. He's like, I want to chase that. He sees a bear. He's like, I'm going to arm wrestle that. He sees a cheetah. I'm going to race that. He's looking and thinking, okay, I am ready. I'm chomping at the bit, ready to go. And God says, Adam, you want your first assignment? You're ready for your first thing on earth? And Adam's like, yeah, yeah, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He goes, take a day off. <laughs> Rest. Okay, you see Adam looking at God and going like, God, um, I haven't done anything yet. Like, this is day uno on earth. Like, don't I need to work? I haven't earned any rest. I haven't worked hard enough to, to merit a day of rest. And God goes, exactly. Because you got to understand that the whole way I relate to you is not what you deserve. But you come to me, and, and your relationship with me is out of rest. I think that's one of the reasons that the Sabbath is not understood by so many in the church today. I think it's one of the reasons the Sabbath is, is not uh, something that we take is because we don't understand that the way that the loving Heavenly Father relates to his children is in a place of rest. It reminds me of the cross, right? The scripture says that it's by grace that we've been saved through faith, not by any works, lest a man would boast. It's a gift of God. The Bible says that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. The Sabbath is a gift. Man's first assignment on earth, rest and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. Now, this isn't always easy for me as a hard-charging American leader type. I, you know, I, I've had to learn this gift of the Sabbath that Sometimes we think, okay, so Sabbath, I need to just take the day off. So this must just be a day where I just Netflix binge. Like, that's it, right? And maybe I'll just be on Instagram all day long, Facebook, playing Call of Duty until 3 in the morning. Um, you know, maybe that's not your deal. You're like, so I'll just go shopping, spend the whole day just shopping, buying chocolate, 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 you know, and We need to see what God says about the Sabbath. We need to understand his heart for us in this wonderful gift because uh, it's not just about feeding the flesh. It's about living out a day that he's appointed as a gift to us. So let's unpack this out of Genesis 2. It says this, Then God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy. He rested from all the work of creating he had done. So three components I want to unpack in a biblical Sabbath in order for you to lay hold of this tremendous gift that God has for you. Here we go. Let's say it together. Number one, God rested. Number two, God 
blessed it. And number three, God made it holy. And so as we want to enter into a Sabbath rest, these are three things that we want to appropriate to our Sabbath day. So let's start with God rested. God rested. You know, this isn't the easiest thing for me because I am, in case you can't tell, a bundle of energy. And I, I like to be doing. I am a doer. Any doers in the house? Okay, some of you are doers. Um, now, obviously, you know, it's, some of you are like, I don't even want to raise my hand right now. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> um, so I, I study leadership books, and I, I watch leaders. And here's what I find with many hard-charging leaders. At about 45, 50, 55, 60, so many just have a burnout, a life meltdown. One of my um, main mentors, he was just this hard-charging guy, marathon after marathon after marathon, running, uh, just a, a, a reader, always consuming new information, always starting new endeavors, crisscrossing the globe. And then in his mid-40s, he just hit a wall, and his body just stopped cooperating with him. And all of a sudden, he's having heart problems, and his, his muscles feel like they're on fire, and then he can't sleep well, and he's starting to deal with anxiety attacks, starting to deal with depression. And so he, he took it very seriously and and actually went to see the foremost authority on adrenaline and stress, uh, Dr. Archibald Hart, up in the Los Angeles area. It was so fascinating as, you know, he, he was going through all these tests, and then he goes to Dr. Hart, and Dr. Hart shares this simple rev- revelation to him. He's like, you know, you could have circumvented so much of this if you would have just rested. He goes, actually, if you would have just slept more, your body wouldn't have done this to you because do you know that sleep actually resets your mind? And res- sleep actually uh, decreases your cortisol levels. Do you know that you're better when you sleep? I don't know if you've ever had a time where you didn't sleep much. I had this one overseas trip um, where I went and I've dealt with some insomnia in life. And so I didn't sleep for six days. I was a wiggy. Oh my God! I was, hey, and I was a team leader. Poor team. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, can I just say that you're more like Jesus when you've had enough sleep? <laughs> I, I want a church of rested people. Uh, that's a happy church. Yeah, uh, we're more. I, I just noticed when I don't get enough sleep, like I'm, I'm like irritable. You know. The dog comes up holding it. Get away from me, dog. Uh, but when I, when I get enough sleep, I wake up and it's like, ah, the birds are chirping. The sun is shining. I'm like, I will make breakfast for the family. You know, the dog comes up. I'm like, I love you. Uh, yeah. You're just different when you sleep. Can I just tell you that we need a rested church in life? And God actually gives a day where he says, rest from your labors. What a gift. The difference between slaves in ancient times and sons were slaves never got a day off. But a mark of sonship, of daughterhood, was actually rest. So many times we don't rest because we just want to be more productive. We just think more is better. So in the Industrial Revolution in France, they actually were wanting to produce more, so they actually mandated a seven-day work week. And you know what the result of that was? Immediately, the horses started dying of exhaustion from being overworked. Immediately, sickness 
went rampant and disease went rampant in the cities because people's bodies were breaking down. Uh, immediately, crime skyrocketed and productivity went down to where the government went back and said, no, we're going to mandate a six-day week. Imagine that. We're going to follow the principles of God and everything goes better. Happened to us in the United States in World War II as we're fighting Hitler, the American forces needed more ships, and so they had to go to private contractors and say, would you build more ships for us? But the contracts, they said, we're so desperate for ships that we need those factories open seven days a week. And a, a gentleman named Walter Mellon, who was the president of Correct Craft, said, I can't do that. I'm a Christian. I believe in honoring the Sabbath. My people have to have a day off. We're going to shut the factories on Sundays, but would you give me a chance to show you, American government, that, that it actually works they worked a six-day week versus all these other companies, and they were way more productive. You know, I find that honoring the Sabbath is actually an act of faith for me, that God can do more with six days and one day totally devoted to him than my seven days of working in my strength. I find that it's an act of faith to actually take my hands off the wheel and say, God, I trust you that the world will still go on. And that you could actually bless my work if I go about it your way. Now, some of you are like, I love this message. I am gifted at resting. That's all I want to do. I'm just going to rest. There's some San Diegans like that. Let's just admit it, right? They're just like, I, it's really sad for me when I hear people that are like, I have the best job ever. I only have to work three hours a week. Like, do you know that on the flip side, to balance this out, that work is not a product of the fall? Work isn't a part of the curse. That God created work, Genesis 2, before the fall of man, before man and woman fell into sin in Genesis 3. That God actually gives work for you to live the abundant life. So if you hate your work, let me propose to you, maybe you're not doing what God's called you to do. Maybe you got in it for the money. Maybe you got in it because it was the easiest thing. Can I just tell you, everything that you do in your job, you're not going to love. There's parts of my job. I, I love what I do, but there's a lot of uh, parts of my job that I would rather not do. So I'm not saying that every single moment of every single day, you're going to be totally fulfilled. But I am saying you should find fulfillment in your job. You were created, God custom crafted you for a specific vocation to bless the world. And if you hate your job, you're probably not doing what you're created to do. So seek the Lord honor him, submit to him, ask him to open up doors for you to do work that you can put your hands to. And you do that six days a week. And then another day, that seventh day, you rest and be refreshed in him. Number two, number two, God blessed it. Say God blessed it. There was this group called the Pharisees in ancient time. When I say Pharisees, you say boo. Pharisees, there you go. Uh, they they liked controlling people. They were legalistic. They were perfectionistic. They thought we've got to be perfect. We've got to do everything perfect for God. They didn't like that the Sabbath wasn't like all the rules weren't defined enough. So they're like, we gotta, we got to define these rules. Like, so one thing you were supposed to, to do is not carry a, a burden. And the reason that God wanted that is so that we actually gave our bodies a break from hard manual labor for a day so we could rejuvenate. But the Pharisees were like, we got to define a burden. we got to get our little Pharisee group together, and we're going to say exactly what a burden is. So they decided anything heavier than a dried fig was a burden. And they watched people like hogs. Are you carrying something more than a dried fig? So much so 
that if you lit a candle on the Sabbath, because they didn't have electricity, and it dripped wax onto the ground, right, and was ruining your floor, you couldn't pick it up because it weighed more than a dried fig. Ridiculous! Right? You couldn't pick up too many hairs that fell on the ground. That'd be a big problem for me. Uh, because it weighed more than a dried fig. You couldn't, you couldn't move your clothes on the Sabbath. You could only move what you had on. So there's actually stories of Israelites' houses catching on fire, and they freak out because they're like, we're going to lose everything. So they just start putting more and more clothes, risking their life, so that they can walk out without carrying clothes. So it's just on them. It got ridiculous. Can I just tell you, the Sabbath is not to be a burden, It's not to be legalistic. It's not to be perfectionist. It's a blessing. God blessed it. So let's look at what Jesus says as he encounters the Pharisees on the Sabbath day. Matthew 12, it says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. (gasps) He's taking a walk on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. (gasps) When the Pharisees saw this, they said, look, your disciples are doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God. He and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was unlawful for them to do. But only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple's here. If you had known these words, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Here's what we're not going to do in this church. We're not going to be like looking at our neighbors, putting spy cams, flying drones over them and say, hey, are they working on the Sabbath? I'm going to call the pastor, right? That's, that is not what this message is about. Jesus was like, hey, my disciples, they're just eating some organic granola, Pharisees. Give them a break. Right? And then when David's friends were hungry and all they could find was the bread, the communion bread, and they ate a few too many pieces of communion bread, like, that's okay. It's just like some, some warm focaccia bread, you know? Like, give them a break. Jesus is like, it's about mercy. And so Jesus defines this in the same story in, in the book of Mark. Look what it says in Mark 2, 27, 28. Then he said to them, he says to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. He's saying, hey, you don't have to be a slave to all these rules. It's about a blessing from your loving Heavenly Father. You know, as I travel to all these different countries and I'm in third world cities, I often encounter street kids. And it breaks my heart because what I see with these street kids is is they never get to fully rest. They look tired, but they look anxious. They're always looking over their shoulders because they never know if they're safe or not. They never have a, 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 a protected place to sleep. And, and, and then they're just always trying to beg and steal and, and get their stuff instead of being blessed. You know, I love it that my children on a day off, they just lounge on the couch, right? I, I, I get them to work at other times, but I, I love it when, my, when I can tell my kids they just feel safe and protected in my home. Right? And, then, and then I love it when my kids are eating something and like, this is so good. Right? I, 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 I like that as a father. A good father loves for his kids to enjoy life. Right? And you're like, you know, is God really like that? I know God gives me what I need, but does he actually, you know, like delight? Is God, is God a God of delight? Can I just tell you God's the one who thought of pleasure? 
like pure pleasure, right? It's not just, just exactly what I need. It's God gives us pleasure, right? I mean, think about flowers. All we needed was one rose. You know, we just needed roses. And that would be, I don't even know if we even needed them. But then God's like, no, I'm going to give you yellow roses and white roses and orangish and peachish roses. And, and then I'm going to give you daffodils and, 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 and daisies and Gerber daisies and stock and, and orchids. And he just keeps going on. And then I'm going to plant flowers in crevices on mountains that you'll never even get to. Why? God's a God of abundance. He's a God of delight. I think he put flowers there because he wants to see them. We'll never even get there. And he's like, I love flowers. I love all flowers. Think about animals. How many types of animals do you need? Lions, tigers, bears. That would have been enough, right? Throw in a horse, a cow, and a dog. Complete, right? And a chicken. But God's like, no. I give you the platypus. <laughs> there is evidence of God's love for humor. A mammal with a beak. And then you're like, well, that was just a mess up. No, he, he intended it. It lays eggs. It's a duck and a mammal in one just to make us laugh. He is a God of pleasure. A squirrel, a flying squirrel. Squirrels don't need to fly. <laughs> he, he, he's a God of delight, a God of pleasure. So on my Sabbath day, I not only rest, I, I encourage you, on the Sabbath, right, rest. Put down your work, right, take a nap. Thus saith the Lord, my people shall nappeth. <laughs> take, take a nap, don't feel guilty, take a nap and enjoy it. And then do something you enjoy. I, my, um, my friend who's an, an Anglican priest, he talks about the... the the word recreation and the Latin of it, which actually means to recreate and the, and the importance of healthy recreation in the lives of Christians, that you actually re, which is to, to do again, and create, which is to invigorate or bring something forth, that when you participate in healthy recreation, you actually renew yourself in the image of God. So I, the other day, I started the series by talking about, you know, what, do you, what would you do on a day off? And I love how people become kind of blissful as they're like, oh, I just go surfing. or I'd go for a walk on the beach. I'd go for a hike. I, I talked about I love to fly fish. And, and, and then I, I, I said, hey, I believe that God wants you and your time with him to be even more enjoyable than any of those. But I hope you didn't misunderstand me to think like, so those are bad. We should only just spend time just, you know, focused uh, on prayer, and um, I, I am a prayer and, and Bible guy, but do you know that God wants you to have healthy recreation? Like, if surfing blesses you, go surf on your Sabbath day. If it's knitting, knit. Dominoes, play. I heard some people like dominoes. Um, what, what, have you ever been doing something you enjoy, and within 30 minutes, you're just like, ah, Wow, you, you kind of feel a load off your shoulders. You feel your spirit starting to rise. You know that, that that's God's heart for his child. Now, of course, there's things that are unholy. I'm not talking about giving yourself to things that are destructive and, and anti-God. But I'm saying God gave recreation for you to renew 
yourself. And so on, on a Sabbath day, I, I like to take a long hike. And I actually like to, to discipline myself to not work, to not think about work. I don't return emails on my hike. I, I'm, I'm not working. And so I actually enjoy just feasting on the mountains around San Diego and then looking at the ocean. I come down and I go, Steph and I have this cafe we like to go to on our Sabbath. And I get this sandwich. It's like a pastrami and turkey and ham like this thick, and then it's got this brown bread. It's called squaw bread. It is so good. Some of you guys have been there, bravo. And, um, and, and I'm, I just take a moment to enjoy what God has given. That's holy. <sighs> Lastly, he made it holy. He made it holy. God made the Sabbath Holy, Exodus 28. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Do you have a day set aside that's holy? For, for centuries, Christians had this, and now it's getting really blurred. And, and, and you know, I, I don't quite understand because we didn't throw out the rest of the Ten Commandments, did we? We're not like, well, we live in the age of grace, so now I just kill whoever I want. You know, I mean, that's, that's, not, well, that's not how we live. Well, I just steal whatever I want. Hey, nice Bible. You know, it's just... No, we still keep the other nine commandments. But why do we throw out the Sabbath, which is just this big blessing from God? And so I'm so thankful that my parents made honoring the Sabbath a priority in our home. Every week, we were going to be with the people of God, getting instruction from the Word, worshiping together. You know why? Because that's what Jesus did. Have you, ever, have you read the life of Jesus? It would always say on the Sabbath, he was going into the synagogue. To, 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 to be in the scriptures and to, to worship. And that's what Peter did. And that's what Paul did. It, it concerns me now that being a, a part of a community, making the Sabbath holy is optional for Christians. Can I just tell you what I saw in my parents is, is they, this was their priority. Like 1 Corinthians 16, 2 talks about on the first day of the week when you're joining together. Or Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. My parents made this a priority, and, and we weren't even part of an enjoyable church. Like we didn't have Stephen Gully bouncing around and his hair, like, right? And we didn't have these, you know, like Jordan singing, and you're like, I can't take it. My face is melting. This is too good, right? We had songs that I didn't even understand the words. They were from 300 years ago, right? And, and yet my parents had me there every week, and I'm so thankful because they were laying a foundation that God is the ultimate authority and he is to be honored. You start every week by worshiping God with the people of God. You start every week by hearing the word of God. You start every week by fellowshipping with the community of God. This is where you belong. This is how we honor God, by having a day of the week where we prioritize him above all else, right? Even above our jobs. And my parents were faithful to their jobs, but even ahead of their bosses, they didn't say, we're, we're going to cut out on work. No, they went to work, but then they were like, but we're going to honor God by making it holy, by coming together and worshiping him because he deserves the first day of the week. Amen? And I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. So like pat yourself on the back. Way to go. You're doing it. But we want to raise up our families. Parents, don't ever underestimate the power of having this foundation of every week we start the week by honoring God. Uh, I think that's one of the main reasons why me and my sisters were all saved. We've all served in ministry. 
Uh, the 11 grandkids, they all have given their life to Christ because this is, that's the foundation. The same with my father-in-law. That's how Steve and Jeannie raised their family. At 45 years of strong, blessed marriage, blessed family, can I just tell you, you honor God and he honors you. He rewards those who seek him. The Sabbath is a blessing. So here, here is my, here's my challenge for you. This next week, purpose to have the Sabbath. So, I mean, you're already doing it. You could even, I just know you might have something planned. So I, I want to give you a week to prepare. Next Sabbath, next Sunday, I double dog dare you to not check your email. You, you college students, you're like, oh yeah, someday when I have a job, I work, I won't work on the Sabbath. No, I want to encourage you now. I might need to start next week, but don't study on the Sabbath. Ooh, some professors aren't going to like me. No, study harder the other six days, but then trust God. Our college group is going to multiply this week. They're going to be like, I, there's a church that I go to that I don't have to study one day a week. That's actually God, not me. Um, try it. I dare you to try it next week and see if you make it holy. You actually rest. Take a nap. Do something enjoyable. And see if you don't feel rejuvenated. See if you don't feel like you got taken off that perpetual hamster wheel of life that you can never get out. Take a moment to just enjoy a day that God has given and reflect that he's in control and he's going to take care of you. Take a moment to just relax and enjoy this gift of the Sabbath. And I think if we all start doing that, we're going to have one happy church. And I think the world is looking for happy Christians. Why don't you stand up?